Nick Radio. Hi, welcome to The Journey for this week. I'm Nick, the sound editor, and I'll be filling in for Jude. We're already three weeks into autumn. How's the weather in your part of the world? In Wollongong, it's been fantastic. It's been a little bit of sun, a little bit of rain, and it's just added up to a wonderful first few weeks of autumn. Now, I'm nearly as much of a cricket fanatic as Jude, so I'll be quick. The World Cup is quickly coming to an end. They're already into the quarterfinals, and we've already seen some fantastic cricket, records broken, and cricket history made. Go the Aussies. The NRL and AFL have kicked off for the year. I hope your team has had a great start. Really looking forward to the footy this season. I'm sure there'll be plenty of good sport on the TV for weeks to come. This week we're kicking on with all our usual goodness on the show. We've got the Arise Lenten program. We've got a bunch of our favourites. We've got some fantastic music lined up for you. And I'm sure it's going to be an amazing show. Like I said, kicking off, we'll be using the Arise Lenten program that we've been running for the past few weeks. And that has been prepared by the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong to assist people around the country in prayer groups, in parishes, in schools, to journey through Lent in solidarity with each other using some fantastic resources which we're able to give you for free every week. So the psalm for this week, written by Tracy Coombs, is Psalm 51, Create a Clean Heart in Me, and it is a fantastic piece of music. Uh, Now, Jude wouldn't tell you, but he was also one of the people who's been helping out with the recording that, uh, along with Marilyn Ung, Daniel Hopper, and Louisa Court. That psalm, written and performed by Tracy Coombs, with the help of a few others, Then we'll have the gospel set down for this week. Uh, Jude will be reading that. And the gospel passage is from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 to 30. And then following on from that, we'll have a reflection on that gospel prepared by Sister Hilda Scott and Father Michael Fallon. Leading into the break. Faith, hope, love and life. You're on the journey.
from the Holy Gospel according to John. Among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. These approached Philip, who came from Bethsaida in Galilee, and put this request to him, Sir, we should like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip together went to tell Jesus. Jesus replied to them, Now the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you most solemnly, Unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains only a single grain. But if it dies, it yields a rich harvest. Anyone who loves his life loses it. Anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it for the eternal life. If a man serves me, he must follow me. Wherever I am, my servant will be there too. If anyone serves me, my father will honour him. Now... My soul is troubled. What will I say? Father, save me from this hour? But it was for this very reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. People standing by who heard this said it was a clap of thunder. Others said it was an angel speaking to him. Jesus answered, It was not for my sake that this voice came but for yours. Now, sentence is being passed on this world. Now the prince of this world is to be overthrown. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I shall draw all men to myself. By these words, he indicated the kind of death he would die. The Gospel of the Lord A missionary daughter of charity working in Ethiopia told me that Once when she was ministering in a poor village, she'd visited yet another hovel that was the home of an elderly couple. Sister was a nurse and was tending to them. She must have got to know them fairly well because when the old father was dying, the family sent for Sister. Although crowded, Sister came into a solemn and silent house. There was an air of expectancy, of deep listening. Then it happened... The old man opened his eyes, looked into the eyes of his son, 
and mouthed words that only the sun heard. He nodded reverently, and the old man breathed his last. No one moved, but all looked at the sun. He quietly spoke his father's last words, and an even deeper silence fell on the crowd. After a long time, they dispersed. Mystified, Sister waited until some time later, when it was more appropriate to inquire about this strange scene. It was explained that when it became known that this man was soon to die, people began to gather in the house to hear what he had to say, because the last words of a person who was to die were revered and understood to carry an individual meaning for everyone who heard them. In that Ethiopian village, such is the sacredness of another's final words. And here is Jesus, imparting to us some of his own beautiful final words. They carry an individual meaning for each of us. These words tell us some important truths. Death in its many forms is essential in all our lives. Like the grain of wheat, we will die to selfishness, to the ego, to everything that keeps us apart from ourselves and others, and therefore from God. Jesus tells us clearly that we can call God Father as he does. He gives us a fairly accurate picture of what loving us is about to cost him and lets us know he will not be deterred. He is giving us a ray of hope. You and I are not doomed to a life of isolation where there is no relief from our concerns and worries no matter how things look or how much we think we deserved our pain. He has it all in hand. I will draw all of you to myself, Jesus says, and he may as well have added, and you will see, all will be well forever. Jesus is not seeking suffering. The cross is thrust on him by others. He is, like so many, a victim of injustice. However, he's not just a victim. People can crucify him, but they cannot stop him loving. It's because he embraces the cross that he can remain free and can continue to give himself in love even in what appears to be the God-forsaken hill of Calvary. God is love, and as the medieval hymn reminds us, where there is charity and love, there is God. On Calvary, apart from the presence of his mother, the beloved disciple and the women who remained faithful to him, Jesus is surrounded by people who sinfully reject God's will. Pilate, who knowingly condemns Jesus in spite of the fact that he could see that he was innocent. The religious leaders who felt vindicated as they jeer at Jesus, who dared to challenge them and the fickle crowd who turn on Jesus to avoid having to suffer the ire of their leaders. To see where God is on Calvary, we must look for love, and we see love most clearly in Jesus. It is in keeping on loving that Jesus is carrying out his Father's will, for his mission from God was to reveal God as love. This is why John speaks of this as Jesus our of glory. 
You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Welcome back to The Journey. I'm Nick, if you're just joining us, and if you are just joining us, welcome. I hope you haven't missed too much, and I hope wherever you're listening in from, whether that's Rima in Coffs Harbour, Pulse 94.1 in the Illawarra, Life FM in Gippsland, Life 105.1 in Bendigo, The Light in Albury Wodonga, or online, you're having a fantastic day. Before the break, we had this week's material from the Arise Lenten program. Always got to love Sister Hilda and Father Michael's stuff, whether they're together or separate. Coming up, we've got Marilyn Rodriguez with The Peaceful Parent, and she'll be talking about how jealousy is an enemy of peace and how to overcome that jealousy. With advice on peaceful parenting, here's Marilyn Rodriguez. Recently, Pope Francis said that jealousy is a destructive anxiety and a poison which divides communities. I would add, and families too. We see its impact in the first page of the Bible, where we read that Cain killed his brother Abel. And we see it in the news headlines every day. But what about within ourselves? We can't cultivate peace in our hearts or our families and be full of jealousy at the same time. Trust me, I know, because I've tried it. The two are incompatible. Years ago, when I was home every day with a young baby and a toddler, I had some time on my hands and I used to fill out entry forms or invent catchy phrases to try to win free holidays or special items on competition websites. I had some success too. Once I had my heart set on this particular prize, two nights stay at a newly opened luxury health resort. I looked at the pictures and I read all about it on the website and I envisaged myself and my husband at this beautiful resort and spa. We'd never been anywhere like it before. I thought through the babysitting plans and I imagined myself so deserving of a breakaway and so unable to afford one that the prize just had to be mine. I didn't win the holiday and I was disappointed. About a month or so later at a relations house, someone told me very casually that they'd just returned from the very same place. And when I said, oh really, was it good? This person said, no, it hadn't been especially great. I was too sick with bitter envy to say anything. It was like vinegar on a wound to me that this person could afford to just go on a whim and hadn't even appreciated it. I felt so sorry for myself and had a sudden surge of dislike for this person I'd only ever liked and admired before. It was horrible and the next day I promised myself never to let myself become so sick with envy again. Luckily the antidote to jealousy is gratitude and it is easy to find things to be grateful for if you look for them. Gratitude is such a healing approach to life and is also prescribed in the Bible. The book of Tobit ends with the angel Raphael giving advice to Tobit and his son Tobias to praise and thank God always. If jealousy is causing sadness and division in your family, you could try the practice of writing down before going to bed five things you're grateful for out of the day and thanking God for them. For more about becoming a more peaceful parent, you can visit my website, marilynrodriguez.com. And now it's time for Milk and Honey with Trish McCarthy. I recently made a mission trip to Fiji and it was a defining moment in my journey. One insight that will stay with me is the importance of boundaries and the foundation they lay for us to then go out confidently and unafraid. As we travelled parts of Fiji, I noticed that each village or settlement had clearly defined physical, cultural, emotional and spiritual boundaries. These boundaries, I noticed help define and shape the people who live there, what they do, how they live, what they value, the language they use, and the things they shared. Boundaries help define us. They speak into and give context to our identity. Living in Australia, we have many things to be grateful for. However, in my experience, 
the boundaries I've spoken about are not so strong. Our suburbs tend not to have distinct boundaries apart from on the council map, and my experience has been that people struggle to identify where they belong. That deep sense of belonging that Christ and the scriptures refer to in the power of community. If you are unaware of who your neighbour is and how to relate to others in community, having a place to contribute and be appreciated, what values to pursue and develop, then our identity and well-being becomes compromised. When we are secure and confident in our belonging and identity, shaped by those physical, emotional and spiritual boundaries, we're more likely to take risks that contribute to building others. For example, starting that support group, inviting new people around, taking up a new sport, seeking to understand and share other cultures that may have been seen as a threat. My encouragement for you this week is to identify some of the boundaries you already have in place and share with someone what goodness they have brought you. Similarly, identify those boundaries you may need to put in place in order to help define and understand your identity, your limits and your capacity. Together on the journey, faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. This is Nick with you, filling in for Jude. I know they're big shoes to fill, but I hope I'm doing an all right job. So we just heard from Trish McCarthy talking about boundaries and her trip to Fiji in her milk and honey segment. Always learn a huge amount from Trish. Hopefully you've been able to listen to most of the show, if not all of it so far, and hopefully you'll be able to get to hear the rest of it. If not, don't worry, head on over to our website. You can listen to either the highlights of the show, so that's stuff like the Milk and Honey segment, the Arise Lenten program, or you can listen to the whole show in its entirety. So if you want to listen to that, head on over to radio.dow.org.au. You can also find the show on iTunes as a podcast to download. Coming up, we'll have Father Dave Callahan with The Call. He'll be speaking about free love and the contradiction that that phrase in itself is. Here are the missionaries of God's love with The Call. Since the 1970s, our society has been chasing after this idea of free love. You can have all the pleasure you want without the burden of commitment. The great Christian author G.K. Chesterton makes very clear that the term free love is the ultimate contradiction. As he says, has a lover ever been free or could a lover ever be free? Because it is the very nature of love to bind itself. Now most Christians would argue against the idea of free love in human relationships. And yet at the same time, we often persist in holding a similar idea in regards to our faith. Somehow we believe that it is possible to love Jesus and still be free to do whatever we desire. This version of free love Christianity says that we can call ourselves followers of Christ, yet be in complete control of when and how we follow him. We want to have the pleasure and benefit of heaven without the unfortunate consequence of having to surrender our will to him as well. As Chesterton would say, let us have the fragrance of sacred purity without the sorrow of self-restraint. Let us have the splendor of offering ourselves without the peril of committing ourselves. If we truly want to take up the call to follow Jesus, we need to remember that it is the very nature of love to bind itself. In choosing to receive that love of Christ, I need to surrender my whole being to him. I'm Father Dave Callahan from the Missionaries of God's Love. Find out more about us at mglpriestsandbrothers.org.
Here's Sister Hilda with Wisdom from the Abbey. You might have days like this often, and I do too, once in a while. I remember some time ago, years ago in fact, a particularly unpleasant day came my way. The worst thing I did that day was get out of bed. That gives you a, a clue to how bad it was. Now, as one thing after the other went wrong, we came to the end of the day. And for me, that came up to supper time. And I said to myself, and in fact I said to God, it's supper time. Great. Now, all I've got is the time of silence, which is a time for prayer at our place. Then there's Compline, which is our night prayer. Then I can go to bed And this whole entire rotten day is over. It was with something of a sigh of relief that I thought of that. I can't tell you how rotten that day was. Anyway, I got into supper. And for supper, we only ever have leftovers and salad. Now, on this particular day, we mustn't have had many leftovers there. So the sisters in the kitchen had put together some pizza. I like pizza. Love pizza, in fact. I looked at that pizza on the table, and to tell you the truth, listeners, I could have cried. For my money, there was God saying to me, it's been a rotten day, hasn't it? (laughs) Look, get that pizza into you. It'll make you feel so much better. There was God for my money, with an act of kindness that now, and this is about 20 years later, I haven't forgotten. I wonder how many pizzas are going to come your way. How many times has God put some little thing into your life and hope that you might just see that's God saying, I know and I love you. Perhaps it is that a kind word's come your way when you needed it. That's God. I know. I love you. Perhaps it is that something you didn't think was going to work out worked out. That's God. I know you. I love you. Perhaps, like me, God decided to put something lovely on the table for you. And it smacked all over of, I know. I love you. Sometimes I think that they're the most beautiful words we can hear and God goes to no end of trouble to say it over and over and over and over again. How I wish I could talk to you face to face so I could hear you tell me the ways in which God has said to you, I know, I love you. This is The Journey. You're with Nick. We just heard from Sister Hilda Scott with her Wisdom from the Abbey segment. Sister Hilda is known right around the country as a very popular speaker, but she always has time to contribute to the journey. And this week she was talking about how God spoke to her through pizza. And I've got to say, that is a familiar feeling. And now with their tips for vibrant marriages and family life, here's Byron and Francine Parola with Smart Loving. Hi, today we're talking about the power of overestimation. Recently, we came across a video of Viktor Frankl speaking on the search for meaning. In it, he makes the point, if we take man as he is, we make him worse. 
But if we take him as he should be, we make him capable of becoming what he can be. Pointing out the importance of idealism, he states, If we overestimate him, we promote him to what he can really be. It's a powerful principle, especially given Viktor Frankl's personal story as a Holocaust survivor. This is a theory that has been put to test in the crucible of human depravity. There are immediate and obvious applications to parenting and teaching. We all know that if we set high expectations, kids tend to rise to them. It got us thinking. We wondered if the theory would apply to marriage. Certainly, if one grows up with poor role models in marriage, such as an experience of serial divorce, the expectations for marriage will likely be similarly limited. As one young woman told our colleague, My parents' divorce was so traumatic I would never put my kids through that, so it's better not to go there. She was shunning not only marriage, but childbearing as well. Tragically, she had no confidence in her ability to form a lasting relationship. This widespread pessimism about marriage and family has disabled many of the younger generation, rendering them powerless to pursue their dreams for their intimate relationships. On the other hand, if couples overestimate marriage, to use Frankel's terminology, they start out with a lot of positive energy and high ambitions for their marriage. Now, this automatically lifts their chances to forming lifelong stable bonds because they will invest more into the relationship. If they can get the positive feedback cycle working, they'll develop a robust relationship that will give them confidence to cope with the inevitable setbacks. Our experience tells us that all our marriages could benefit from a bit of a dose of overestimation from time to time. We're Francine and Byron Parola. For more tips on relationships, visit smartloving.org. You're listening to The Journey, great Christian radio for the whole family. So we've come to the end of another show, How Time Flies. We just heard from the Parolas, this very, very popular couple, Dr. Byron and Francine, speaking about the power of overestimation in a relationship. So I hope you've enjoyed the journey for this week. I'm glad that you decided to make us part of your day, and I hope you have a fantastic rest of it. I'm Nick Weir. And God bless. Faith, hope, love and life. This has been The Journey. The Journey is produced by Jude Hennessy and edited by Nicholas Weir from the Office of the Bishop in the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong. Radio.org.au